last week in our series called The Walk. And so last week, uh, Larry read a, a quote that I thought was perfect for this whole series. And so I'm going to read it again for us this morning. He read, like few other metaphors, the image of Christian life as a journey captures our experience of following Christ. Because journeys involve movement, action, stops and starts, detours, delays, and trips into the unknown. So I feel like this week, this message is kind of the calculus level of our walk with Jesus. Okay, what I mean by that is that we've kind of had to get some other basic skills before we were able to kind of talk about this, about making spiritual decisions. And uh, I never took calculus, to be honest, so maybe, you know, maybe the analogy or the metaphor is lost, but I think there are lots of things in our lives that we all can relate to about how you have to kind of build basic skills before you get to the harder stuff. And I think a lot of us kind of want to skip that. We want to skip the basics, right? And we just want to get to the stuff that might be a little bit harder. And um, I, I think that a lot of times as Christians we do this. We uh, don't want to maybe build those basic skills, but then we get to a point in our life where there's a big decision to make, and we just want to know the answer. So what's the answer? What should I do? What decision should I make? But it's really important if we're going to make spiritual decisions, if we're going to invite God into making our decisions, that we have the ability to listen to the Holy Spirit, like we've talked about earlier in this message, that we understand this practice of prayer, that we have the ability to stop and to just be with God. We have to have a, an understanding, a growing understanding of our true self, like last Larry talked about last week, and, and kind of understand how our family of origin and our, the culture that we were brought up in and how our ego and our self-esteem all are influencing our decisions, the decisions we make. So a couple years ago, um, my oldest daughter, she realized that she was a couple years away from going away to college. And so it was just a regular day, and we were sitting in the kitchen, uh, Larry and I were sitting there with her, and she said, so how does it work when I go to college? Like, do I just make all the decisions myself? <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And she goes, like, um, like if a boy asks me out, like I decide if I want to go out with him. And like if I stay up as late as I want to stay up. And what if I'm sick? Do I decide if I go to class or not? And I was like, yeah, that's the idea, you know? You, that's the idea of adult life is you get to make those choices. You get to make those decisions. And, and Dad and I will be here for you. You can get a hold of us, ask our advice, but we're going to be your advisors. We're not going to be the, you know, people that are helping you and telling you what decisions you should make. And I was really surprised by her reaction. She was like, that's terrifying. <laughs> I don't want to make all the decisions in my life. And I think we can all kind of relate to that, right? At first, it's really exciting when we get to make the decisions in our life. But then we hit a certain point in our lives where we've made enough decisions, and maybe some of them didn't go so well. And we're like, I don't want to make all the decisions in my life by myself. I really want God's help. I want him to help me make these decisions in our life. But we're kind of like, how is he going to do that? How does he help me make decisions? Because if you look in the Bible, you see, you know, God's 
really direct sometimes. Like he shows up in a burning bush and tells Moses exactly what to do. And there's times where like there's an audible voice from heaven telling people what they should do. And we keep kind of waiting for that voice from heaven to say, this is what I want you to do, but it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened for me. And so we're all kind of left with this idea of how does God kind of help direct our paths, the decisions we make in life. So um, years ago, my family went on what we thought was going to be a short hike. And um, my, my family, we go on hikes quite a lot, even when our kids were really little, like toddlers and preschool age, we tried to build them up into hike, hikers. Um, and so at this point when we went on this short hike, this is in New York, um, it was a day off of school, and so we kind of last minute decided, let's go take a hike. And, you know, they had been on long hikes before, but we decided we were just going to go upstate to this little park. And so we go to the information booth, and they hand us a photocopied, hand-drawn map, which if y is unusual. That doesn't usually happen. Usually it's like a digital printout map that is very clear where the trails are. And we were kind of like, oh, this is a little bit weird. But we're like, oh, it might be s so easy that all they had to do was, you know, draw a little map and give it to us. So we decided we'd take a hike anyway. Um, we didn't have water or um, snacks with us because it was going to be like an hour, right? We can handle that. So um, we're on our walk. I don't remember how long it was. I remember very clearly that my youngest daughter, Clara, was done um, at some point. And so we were, like, keeping her going. And Larry was kind of, you know, brought me over and was like, all right, so here's the thing. I think we had to have missed the path that was taking us back to the car um, a while ago. It, wasn't, it was obviously not very clear, um, but that shouldn't have surprised us since it was a photocopied map. But um, so he was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to literally run forward and look for another way, another path down to our car. I was like, okay. All right, so I tried to act like, oh, yeah, he's just going to walk ahead, you know, no big deal. And then he gets back, and he's like, okay, bad news. I didn't find a path. Um, and we've got about an hour of light left. And we don't really have, you know, flashlights, um, which if you know Larry, he, <laughs> he always has the supplies, right? He's got all the supplies, but not to that day. So um, I was like, oh, okay. So he's like, this is what we need to do. We need to make our own path down this big hill that is very rocky, um, but that's what we need to do. I was like, okay. And so that's what we did. That's what the girls were like, this is what we're doing. This is what we got to do. And um, I remember two things very clearly. I remember praying the whole time that nobody would break a leg or twist an ankle because it was, that was what you would look at that and say, that's what somebody's going to do. And that Claire was just cracking us up, um, which she tends to do during stressful situations. So that's what I remember. But I, we got there. We got to the end. We got to the bottom. We got to our car bef just as, you know, the sun was going down and we made it. So I wanted to tell that story this morning because I, I think that a lot of Christians and Christian leaders kind of view making decisions with God uh, kind of like there's one path to take, right? And um, there's one person you're supposed to marry. There's one job you're supposed to have in your life. There's one idea always that you're supposed to follow. And if you don't make the right decision, well, then you're kind of screwed, right? You're you just sorry. 
God's going to be like, nope, you made a mistake. And, th- and so there's all this anxiety and pressure for us to make the right decision because we ha- feel like God is going to be like, nope, you made the wrong choice. And uh, so I just want to start this morning out saying I don't think it works that way, all right? I don't think that God um, decides there's one path that you take and then I'm going to leave you. There's nothing in scripture that gives us that idea that um, we can make the wrong choice and then he's out. And so I I want us to um, start in that way, this idea that sometimes we'll make choices that are harder, right? It isn't the best, the easiest path. But it doesn't mean that God isn't with us. And I also want us to start about asking ourselves the question, why do I want God to direct my decisions? This week I watched um, some videos on YouTube called Discernment for Dummies. Um, There were several uh, of these videos, and um, discernment is just um, used as the idea of the practice of understanding how God is directing our lives. And so these videos were animated. They had a friar, um, an animated friar, um, giving explanations about a discernment and how we make decisions in our lives. Um, and that had some organ music in the background. It was very interesting, but actually pretty helpful. And so, you know, discernment for dummies. Go ahead and look it up on YouTube. Um, but one of the most important helpful things I thought that the video did was to begin by asking the question, why do I want God to direct my decisions? And the reason why we need to start with that question is how do we view God? How do we view God? Do we view God as a boss? As a boss like at a construction site, and we're the laborers. And so he's telling us, go dig that hole over there, and go fill that hole over there, and giving us instructions, and there's clear, clearly what he wants us to do. But if you think about the relationship between a boss and the laborer, The boss is trying to get something done, and the laborer is trying to get paid in the end. And so we got to ask ourselves, do I view God like that, my relationship with God that way? Like, I want to know what he wants me to do so that he'll take care of me in the end. Kind of like that relationship between a boss and a laborer. But there's another option for us. We can also kind of want to know what God wants in our lives, almost like a marriage And when you think about a marriage, um, the reason that the spouses want to know each other well is because they love them. And it's all about the relationship. And so over the years, they're going to try to get to know them better and better. What are your dislikes? What are your likes? What are your passions? What are your dreams? All of that's because you really want to know them deeply. And so after years... Somebody, you know, a spouse will say, I don't even need to really ask. I know that that decision isn't something my wife is interested in because I just know her so well. So I'm just going to give you a a silly example, but this week was Valentine's Day. Um, We've been married many years, many Valentine's Days. Larry didn't have to ask, hey, Wendy, do you want a stuffed pink teddy bear from the drugstore for Valentine's Day, right? No, I don't. But he didn't even have to ask me that. Instead, he was like, I will clean out the refrigerator. And I was like, thank you very much. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. Because he knows me. And um, I know that's a silly kind of example, but um, 
you know, that's what we're going after with God. Making decisions is about a relationship, a deep, loving relationship where the point is that we know God and that we want to make the right choice because we want to know him deeper. And we have this relationship where we know that we're loved and we love God. And that's our motivation for making the right decision. So the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament talks a lot about making wise choices. Really, that's the whole point of the, this whole book in the Old Testament. It's all about making wise choices. King Solomon writes this book. And probably one of the most well-known verses, um, and even well-known, um, well-memorized verses, I remember memorizing it um, as a child. Some of you, if you went to Christian camp, memorized this verse as well. I've taught it to many kids. And it's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit is the word in the NIV. I memorized it as acknowledge, and I like that better. So um, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So how do we make decisions? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. We have to remember first that the first step is knowing that God loves us deeply. That's the first step. And because of that love, then we're able to trust in God. So that Hebrew word that is um, translated as trust gives the imagery of a place of refuge. So a place that people would go to in times of um, trial, that they would go to be safe and protected to this place of refuge. And so that is the, our understanding when we think of trusting in the Lord, that it's a place that's going, God is our place that is going to protect us and keep us safe. And so when we're making decisions, we trust him because of our relationship with him and that we know that he wants to keep us safe. And we trust the Lord. Here, if you see that it's all caps, Lord is in all caps. And we've talked about this before, that when we read through the Bible in the Old Testament and we see all caps for Lord, that that is the name for God, that God gives himself. When he introduces himself to Moses, he says, I am Yahweh. And so I think it's um, that Solomon picked that name purposefully to show that it's a personal God. We know his name. We trust in God, in the Lord God who gave us his name, and that we have an intimate relationship. We trust him with all of our heart. And so we don't lean on our own understanding. We don't just lean on our own intellect and our own emotions to make decisions, but we invite God into it. And so in all of our ways, and it, it gives the imagery here of actual paths and roads that we take, so it clearly kind of gives us the idea of the decisions we make in life that we submit or acknowledge. And that word is the Hebrew word yada. And so I, I don't really love the word submit used for that um, Hebrew word. I think it gives the imagery of a boss, kind of, like, I'll, okay, you gave me the orders, I'll, I'll submit. I acknowledge kind of gives a, more of an understanding of a relationship, but that word yada is um, the word for to know, to know somebody. And not a casual knowing, but a deep, intimate relationship. In fact, 
It's the word that is used um, in the relationship between Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, it says that Adam knew, Yadah, his wife, and she bare a son. So that's pretty intimate, right? <laughs> it's not a, not a, oh, I knew. It's like, I know, <laughs> right? It's a deep, loving relationship. And so we put our trust in Yahweh, not our own understanding of things. And so in all of the different roads that our lives lead to, we trust in this deep, intimate relationship that we have with Yahweh. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. But what does that look like when we're making major decisions in our life, okay? Um, am I going to date this person? Am I going to marry this person? Am I going to break up with this person? What career path should I take? Should I take that big move in my life? Um, how do we know God deep enough so that we know the right path to take? So throughout um, church history, there have been all these leaders who have really tried to help followers of Jesus really into the process of inviting God into decision-making. Um, some call it spiritual direction. Some call it spiritual discernment. Others call it spiritual decision-making. But one of the most influential leaders in spiritual direction is a man named um, Ignatius of Loyola, St. Ignatius. He started the Jesuit order. Um, and way back in 1548, he wrote what is known as the Spiritual Exercises, and it's this simple set of meditations and prayers and mental exercises to help Christians make decisions and in inviting God into that process. And so over the many years since he wrote this, um, Christian leaders are always trying to take those principles and these exercises and make them more practical and applicable for us um, today. So I would encourage you, if you um, are interested in that, to there are books you can read. There are even spiritual retreats you can go on that kind of walk you through those pra practices. There's YouTube videos. But I also made a sheet for all of you um, back on the communion table that kind of gives a brief explanation of those steps, uh, 11 steps of walking through his um, spiritual exercises. But this morning, I just want to go through four steps that are the four steps that um, New Life Fellowship, which is the church that, um, that wrote the Emotionally Healthy Skills that we really embrace here at our church. There are four steps that they really encourage their leaders to practice um, when as leaders together in the church you're making decisions or even as individuals you're making a decision. And so um, we're going to walk through those four steps. What I want you to do for a moment is try to think personally of a decision that you are trying to make. It doesn't have to be huge. Maybe it's just re-signing your lease, um, taking a class, doing something new. But I'm just going to give you a minute to kind of think of an idea. And if you're really struggling, just ask God, God, give me, give me an idea of what I can think about. So I'll just give you uh, a moment to kind of quiet yourself, think of an idea of a decision that you need to make. All right, 
hopefully um, you've identified something, but don't worry if you didn't. Uh, life will give you an opportunity very soon, I am sure, that we all have um, decisions that life throws at us to make. So um, the very first step in inviting God into making decisions is that we have to surrender to God's will. So we're able to surrender to God's will because we have this loving relationship with him, that we trust him. But even though we have that relationship with God, it still takes work for us to surrender our own will in a situation because we're rarely honestly indifferent about what happens to us in our lives. And so um, Ruth Haley Barton is kind of a leader and professor of spiritual direction, and she writes this about what um, is kind of known, St. Ignatius started this, but it's known as the prayer of indifference, and it's the way that we surrender um, our will to God's will. She says this, she says, we need to pray for indifference. This is not the kind of indifference that we associate with apathy, Rather, it is a prayer that we would be indifferent to everything but the will of God. This can be very a very challenging prayer for us to pray because oftentimes we enter in into decision-making with strong opinions and more than a little self-interest. Indifference in the discernment process means that I am indifferent to matters of ego, of prestige, of organizational politics, of personal advantage, personal comfort or favor, and even my own pet projects. We pray until we get to the point where we can say God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And this takes time, for there is often a death to self that is required before we can see God's will taking shape in our lives. But it is well-spent time, because otherwise the discernment process becomes little more than a rigged election. And we see an example, several examples of this in the Bible. Um, Mary is one, the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. You remember when the angel shows up and lets her know that she's going to have a child through the Holy Spirit. Um, she's not married at this point. She's a young girl. And certainly, this is going to change her life, make it difficult in many ways. And yet, we see her response immediately in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And then it, we, you think of um, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, he's afraid, he doesn't want to do what he knows that he needs to do on the cross. And yet he says, not my will, but yours. And so we see this practice of, of getting to a place of indifference. So when we're considering a decision, we need to start with enough time where we're consistently praying that we would be indifferent to anything but God's will. And it's interesting when we pray this way, over time, it's amazing how God can really change our hearts. He really can move us to actually become indifferent about our own interests and desires and get to really a place of trust that whatever God wants is what we want. So I just want to give you one example of a prayer of indifference. This prayer... Um, it says, Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you, and I am ready for all, and I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. 
I offer it to you with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord. And I so need to give myself to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Amen. And so this is just an example of a prayer that you would pray over and over again till the place where you know that you are really ready to do whatever God wills in the situation, not your own will. And so then the next step is to consider scripture. So when we're making a decision, it's important that we consider what scripture has to say. And we need to be honest, okay? There isn't in the Bible a verse for every situation that we have in our lives, right? There isn't like a clear verse like, oh, okay, that's, I know what I'm supposed to do. But the Bible does give us um, clear teaching on how God wants us to live that we really can um, think about when we're considering decisions that we're making in our life. So just one example of this is um, this week I walked into the room. My daughters were watching a show that they like to watch, and the main character was trying to decide whether she was going to lie about um, where she lived so that her son could go to a better school system. And so my daughters just said, hey, Mom, would you ever consider doing that? And um, that's actually come up in our life before, and, and I, it was a quick answer, no, I wouldn't. Um, because the Bible is pretty clear about lying and giving false testimony, and I think because when we take actions like lying, we're not really trusting God to take care of us. And so for me, that's an easy, no, I wouldn't do that. I love my daughters completely, but I would not choose to lie to make something happen. Um, so... That's the second step. Consider scripture. There's lots um, of choices in our, make that in our life that we can make that are kind of easier when we consider scripture. The third step is to seek wise counsel. So over the years, um, there have been many people that I've talked to who've made big choices in their life. And I ask them, um, so who did you talk about before you made this decision? And they're like, nobody. I mean, big, big decisions like I left the church. I left a career, I left my marriage, and they didn't talk to anybody. I think because they didn't want to have anybody's opinion. There's a lot that goes into this, but um, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about getting wise counsel and getting wise advice, and so I'm just going to give us four verses, um, what Proverbs says about getting advice. In chapter 12, verse 15, it says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Chapter 13, verse 10 says, Where there's strife, there's pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Chapter 15, 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. In chapter 27, verse 9, it says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do you have people in your life that you trust will give their heartfelt wise advice? Not just the advice you want to hear, but their heartfelt, loving, wise advice. So I'm going to be honest. If you are one of the people that people are coming to you for advice, like people come to me, we have to do the really hard work of making sure that we are also indifferent to any outcome in their decision other than God's will. 
so over the years, I don't know how many times people have come to me for advice about them moving away out of New York City. And um, every single time, I have to check myself and the reality that I don't want them to leave, right? But that isn't what they're coming to ask me, whether I want them to leave or not. What they're asking is for me to walk alongside them and help them make a decision. And that is an honor and trust that I have to um, do the hard work of making sure that I am giving God's them, them advice that is God's will and not my own. And we can be very manipulative in the advice that we give to try to push our own will onto people. And we have to be really careful about that. I just um, want to also give one um, word of advice and warning. I think we have to be really careful about saying that God told us that somebody should do something. I think um, we can really, really hurt people that way. And I, I do think that God can call us to pray for people and the decisions they're making. I think that um, he puts it on our hearts to share our concerns for people. But I think we have to be really careful whether we tell somebody that God told us that they should do something. And it's interesting that in the Quaker tradition, um, they have this whole process of making a decision with a community. And so they um, have the system that is worked out, but they also want to make sure that people are very careful about how they're pushing their own will on people. And so what they do is when you ask for advice from the community, the people only ask you questions for you to answer that are helping you make the decision. And so, of course, you can ask questions that you're, like, kind of leading them to the, you know, make the decision you want them to make. But the idea is, no, I I'm not making the decision. You're making the decision. How can I help you make the decision? And I think that is ne needs to be what we're doing um, when we're giving advice. Um, and I think w if we do that, people are more likely to ask for advice because they can trust that we're helping them seek God's will and not um, pushing our own agenda on them. And the last step is to listen to the movements of our heart. So this is the last step that is done in the context of prayer. And while we're praying, we're paying attention to our inner moods and emotions. So remember in the emotionally healthy skills that we talk about how God is coming to us through our emotions. That emotions can be an actual gift that help us make decisions. But if you will see that this is the last step. And um, oftentimes people just want it to be the only step. Like, how do I feel about something? That's what I'm going to do. But this is the last step, and we've already done some hard work. And so our emotions in the context of prayer really help us as the Holy Spirit is kind of guiding us. And so um, you consider your choice, the decision that you're thinking about. And there's two options. And you can think about the advantages and the disadvantages of each option. And while you're thinking about that, what kind of emotions do those bring when you're thinking about doing one of those options? Do you feel enthusiastic and joyful, or do you feel anxious and fearful? And you have to kind of think about that. Is, is the Holy Spirit kind of directing you through your emotions? And part of the journey that we've talked about is kind of learning the Holy Spirit's voice. And 
the Holy Spirit is always pushing us towards this loving relationship with God. It's pushing us towards a loving relationship with other people. It's pushing us towards our true self. And we can distinguish the other emotions that are kind of pushing us towards self-interest, um, maybe um, words that we, um, our parents told us, right? Culture is teaching us. We have emotions attached to those as well. And so the journey is practicing and distinguishing between those voices and knowing, no, this is the Holy Spirit that's pushing me towards this decision. And, and then at the end, really just asking God to confirm your choice with a deep sense of peace that truly does come. So those are the four steps. Um, it's a journey, right? We all get better and better at that as our life goes on and our walk with Jesus continues. So St. Ignatius said this. He said, our decisions can't be perfect, but they can be good and wise. What is important is that we learn to discern the greater good as we go through life. And so when I think back to my daughter's fears and anxiety about making decisions, I really can relate to that. But then I also just thought about my relationship with God and how much he loves me and how I don't need to be anxious and how I can trust in that relationship and in the hard work of doing these steps and knowing that my decisions can be good and wise. And then I thought about the peace that comes to me as a mother knowing that Emma doesn't need me to make her decisions anymore. That she has a relationship with a loving father named Yahweh, who she knows loves her, and that she can follow these steps with a community of people, and that she can make good and wise choices too. And that you can make good and wise choices. I don't need to tell you what to do. You can do it as well. And our church can do it as a community. We can make choices for this church that can be good and wise and invite God into the decisions we make. So the journey continues. The series ends, but the journey continues. And so this morning, I'm just going to um, pray this blessing over us that Larry wrote and, um, and gave us the first week of the series. May you walk in the light and in love walking with Jesus, walking by the Spirit. May you walk humbly with God, acting justly and loving mercy. May the message of Jesus dwell richly within you, a lamp for your feet and a light on your path. And may you live without fear, for surely you'll pass through the darkest valleys. Surely your God is with you. May you walk faithfully with your God, as did Abraham, and Isaac, as did Moses and David. May you walk in obedience with integrity of heart on the way of holiness, and may you walk with wholehearted devotion to God on paths of justice and the ways of the righteous, and may you trust in Yahweh with all your heart, not leaning on your own understanding. May you submit to him, acknowledge him, know him in all your ways, for surely he will straighten the path before you. May God our Father guide our feet in the path of